through our outline tonight. Judges chapter 21. We look at the key verse of the entire book, Judges 21. And uh, when we talk about the book of Judges, a little sentence or some words after, disobedience leads to destruction. God told Israel what to do, and Israel would have been in good shape if they would do what God told them to do. God always knows what's best. God's ways are always right. And just like the children of Israel needed to learn to obey Him and do things His way, we today in 2019 need to learn to do things God's way and be obedient to God and what He tells us to do. Far too many Christians live their life and do things their way. And it's a sad thing for a Christian to live their life and to live their life the way they want to. We should be living our lives the way that God would have us live. We look at Judges 21, and we look at the key verse to the entire book. It's the very last verse of the book. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In our world today, I think you could describe our world today. Everyone does what they think is right. Christian, I want you to remember something tonight. Israel was given laws. They were given five books that told them when they entered into the promised land how they were to live. They were supposed to learn from those things. And they were not supposed to, when they got into the new land, live and do things as they wanted to. They were supposed to follow the law of God and do things God's way and obey Him. And let me just say, in 2019, you've got a book right here. No Christian should be living their life the way they think they should live it. We should be, we call ourselves people of the book, correct? Then we should literally be people of the book. What is, what's the final authority in your life? Most of us, it's us. Well, I think this book should be our final authority in all that we say that we do. Father, bless the next few minutes tonight as we're here together. We love you. We need you. I thank you for the book of Judges. I thank you for your word. Help us as we look at a few things tonight. I pray that you would guide us and help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There are 66 books in the Bible, correct? We're on number seven. We are a, t a little over a tenth of the way there now. And uh, something I was gonna, something I was gonna say and do um, when we get done with this, we've got a long ways to go. But I will have a special prize for everyone in this auditorium that can say all sixty-six books of the Bible in order. Say, oh, I don't know if I could do it. Have you tried? Try. Don't say you can't do it if you don't try. Try first, and then if you can't do it, take the Old Testament, take the New Testament, do something. Every year at the Bible college I've taught at, they are supposed to be in Bible college to learn the Word of God and Bible college students. Every year, first thing they sit in my class after I introduce myself to them, say, all right, get out a pen and a paper. 
And all I want you to do is write out all 66 books of the Bible in order. And today, if you get them all right, I don't even care if they're spelt completely right. If they are right today, you get 100% on this and you're done with it for the rest of the semester. If you do not get it right today, spelling counts next week. And every week, once we pray and class begins, you're going to write out all 66 and you're going to get quizzed on it till you get it right. And if you don't get it right and the semester's over with, you get the grade that day that you get. And I left it at that. In eight years of doing this now, one time out of probably 50 or 60 students altogether, one student got them all right. And 60% of those were off by 30 or more. We should know the Word of God. And some of you young people, you can find, you could, and I don't, I don't endorse everything on YouTube or things like that, but there's even a song that to help you learn the books of the Bible. And you could find that, and you could get it done, and that would be a good thing. So I'll leave it at that. And so as we dive in tonight, we're here at the book of Judges. Did I pray? I did pray. Someone was, oh, I tell you, it's in my brain today. Someone was, tell, um, someone was asking me, what? Oh, I thought that that was a dream. They really played as bad as I thought they did to an 0-1-4 team today. Yeah, they lost to an 0-1-4. They, they look like... They look like a JV team. They look like my flag football team in high school could have beat them today. And, uh, oh, thanks for encouraging your pastor tonight. And uh, that's the ministry of exhortation at its finest right there. And, uh, but as we look at things, when we dive in tonight, we saw the book of Joshua, Moses dies, and Joshua leads the people into the promised land. And things go well while Joshua lived, and even while some of the elders passed Joshua, the Bible says. But then things began to change for Israel. Now, when you look at the book of Judges, we don't actually know how long the book covers, but it's probably somewhere around 300 years of Israel's history. It starts with the death of Joshua and ends around the time when the first king of Israel came into power, around 1050 B.C., it's called the book of Judges, and in that video it kind of explained all of it, but it's called the book of Judges because it lists 12 people who judged Israel before they began to be ruled by kings. A judge was half governor, half military leader, most prominent leaders of their day, and not a courtroom leader like what you would think of a judge today. In Israel's history, we see how things would line up, and we see them, first they were led by God, a theocracy. And then they were led by patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They were led by priests, Aaron and his family through there. And then led by judges, and eventually they'd be led by kings. Some have thought that maybe Samuel's the one who wrote the book of Judges. But the Bible doesn't tell us that, so we're not going to jump to conclusions and try to tie that all together. If you want to look at a theme to the book of Judges. I think corruption would be a great word. We see a circle of things happen, and we see how it would line up, and we see the key verse. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When we talk about this book, I want to give you a few points tonight and look at several things. Number one, if we're going to outline the book, we see the corruption of the culture. Corruption of the culture. I want you to go back with me to chapter number one of Judges. I want us to look at some verses. Judges chapter one. 
And for the first 18 and a half verses, things are going pretty well in the book of Judges. The first 18 verses start out pretty promising. Look at verse number 17 of chapter 1. It says, And Judah went with Simeon his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Zephah, and utterly destroyed it. They destroyed They did what they were supposed to do. Everything, they did what God told them to do. God didn't want his people dwelling among the heathens of the land. God didn't want their corruption pouring into his people. God wanted his people different, set apart. And today, the church, we are not Israel, but God still wants his people set apart. It's an important thing to understand. But look at what the Bible says. Look at verse number 19. The Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the, drave out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Now, hold on. Hold your place here, because we're going to look at that verse again in a minute, and go to Joshua chapter 17 for a second. Joshua chapter 17. And look down at verse number 18. Joshua 17, verse number 18. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, But the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites. Now look at what the Bible says right here. Though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong, what does he say? You're going to drive them out, right? Go back to Judges chapter 1. What does it say they did? Verse 19, And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. And what did the Lord say? You're going to drive them out. They're strong, and they have chariots of iron. What happened here? Judah didn't fully trust God like they should. You look at verse number 29. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in um, Gezer, and the Canaanites dwell in Gezer among them. Look at verse 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Ketron, nor the inhabitants of... Say that one for me, Ryan. Yeah, in the hello. But the, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Look at verse 31. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Achao, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, or of Elab, or of... I should have Ryan read all these for us tonight. In other words, they didn't drive out all those people. Look at verse 32. But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Verse 33. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beshmesh, Bethmesh, Beshemesh. There we go. And we see a common theme. They didn't drive out the people like they were supposed to. Chapter number 2, we can see from verse, go with me to chapter number 2, and look at verse number 10. The Bible says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam, 
And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. This is why God said, drive them out. Because when you don't drive them out, who you hang around matters. They will influence you. And I know we get this idea, oh, I can hang out with people and I can do these things. They're not going to influence me. You are wrong. You're wrong. I've seen it many a times. Good Christians start hanging out with the wrong people. What's one of the first things that slips in a good Christian hanging around the wrong people? Their language. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. And I don't know where this is coming from, but it's coming from somewhere tonight. It's not in the notes, I promise you. So I praise the Holy Spirit. I prayed a lot before the message tonight, so I'm praying it's the Holy Spirit. But just the other day, someone who hadn't been in church probably in a few months, and they're not here tonight so I can talk about them. So if you're sitting here like, whew, he's not talking about me. I'm talking with them about something. They used the F word twice the S four-letter word several times. And when they were in church being faithful to God, I never heard those words come out of their mouth. It shows they're not hanging around the right people. And we need to be careful who we hang around. The children of Israel need to be very careful who they hang, hung around. What do we see? It, it, crept, it crept in, the corruption. We keep on reading there in chapter number 2, and it says in verse number 14, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them. And they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods, and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way, which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them. And to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doing nor their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, Because that this people hath transgressed my covenant, I will command their father, which I command their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice, I will also not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein, as their fathers did keep it or not, Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily. Neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. We see basically the entire book of Judges laid out in those verses right there. Israel would get away from God. 
God would punish Israel. Israel would cry out to God. He would send a judge in and help them. And then that would lead to victory. And then disobedience would start all over again. And the cycle would continue and continue and continue throughout the book. Look at chapter number 3 with me. And look down at verse number 6. Look at verse number 5. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their daughters to their sons, and served their gods. Now take your Bibles with me and go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 7. Deuteronomy chapter number 7, look at verse number 1. It says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land wherewith thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Look at verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages unto them. Thy daughter shall not give, thy daughter shalt thou not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them, ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto him, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. God told them well beforehand not to do what they did. Israel disobeyed God and suffered the consequences for disobeying God. And we see the things that would happen. We see as we look at the book, of, and we give you an outline, number one, we see the corruption of the culture, chapters one and two. And then number two, we see the cycle of corruption. The cycle of corruption, that's chapters three through chapter 16. We see blessing, we see Israel's sin, we see oppression, we see repentance, we see deliverance, and we see back to blessing. And then the judge would die, and we'd see they would go from blessing to sin, to oppression once again, to repentance, to deliverance from a judge, and then they would get back to blessing. And then we would see them sin again. And then we would see them, the oppression come. We would see repentance. We would see deliverance. And then we would see blessing again. Over and over and over. Now, just think with me for a second. Wouldn't you, doesn't that, isn't that just kind of tiresome, just even hearing it? 
I just went through it three times, like, okay, they were blessed, then they would sin. It's like, can't these people just figure it out? Do you know we are so hard on people? If anybody could have been hard on somebody, God could have been. And yes, he punished them. But he still delivered them and loved them. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering with you? I'm glad he's long-suffering with me. Because we look and we look at the book of Judges and we're like, these people, these people just needed God to just wipe them out. Well, what, what do you think God looks at when he looks at us and the things we do every day? How many times do we fall back into the same rut or do the same stupid thing over and over and over again? I thank God for his long-suffering and for his mercy and for his grace. You look at, chapter, um, look at chapter 3 there. And so we read those verses and then how they took the daughters and things. Verse number 7 says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rish, that guy there, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served that guy eight years. And then verse 9, Israel cried unto the Lord. The Lord raised up a deliverer. And we see the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Then we see in verse number 11, they had rest in the land for 40 years. And then they started the cycle all over again. You see that cycle constant through there. And we see it over and over again. This is their cycle. But it reminds us of the long-suffering mercy and graciousness of our God. And also reminds us of our tendency to forget the things of God when blessings are in our lives. Sometimes things are going good and we just think that we can do it on our own. Well, I, I got this. I got this. Everything's under control. You don't got this. And we see Israel's failures over and over again. We see the judges that there were, there were 12 judges and they're listed there and it talks about each of them there, all 12 of them. We did a series a while back on Wednesday nights when we went through all the judges. If you want a detailed study about each judge, go to our church website. And if you click on the sermon tab there, you can find all the sermons on the judges. All 12 of them are mentioned there. Some of them are better known than others. You know, Tola and Jair. Not many people know much about them. And, uh, but if you are here on those Wednesday nights you should remember some stuff about them. Because I asked you if anybody knew who they were on those Wednesday nights, and no one did. And some of you that were there that night are looking at those like, I don't remember seeing those. Yep, they were there. But anyways, that's all good. That's all right. Some of these judges, you look at them and the things that happened with them. There was poor judgment on their part. One was the son of a prostitute, mentioned already earlier. But the thing that you see is they might have been people of weakness, they might have been sons of idolaters, son of a prostitute, a lady judge in a time when you didn't really see ladies leading things in that nature, doubters, poor judgment. But God uses unlikely people to accomplish his purpose. Despite their faults, and we can look at all the judges and find some faults in them, several of them end up in the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews chapter number 11. And it reminds us of several things. There's no perfect people. 
hey, get this church. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor or leader. I know that might surprise some of you tonight, but there is none. There's no perfect church member. There's no perfect parents. But God can use us in spite of us. And I think that's a good way to look at it. And only one perfect deliverer, and that was Jesus Christ. We see, as we outline the book, we see the corruption of the culture, chapters 1 and 2. We see the cycle of corruption in chapters 3 through 16. And then we see the corruption of God's people, number 3, from chapter 17 to chapter 21. And uh, one commentator, one of the commentaries I read, referred to the story of Judges as one long, painful account of the canonization of Israel. I think that's a good way to word it. God wanted his people to be holy. God wanted his people to be different. He wanted his people to be unique. But they became exactly like the people God wanted them to drive out of the land. They disregarded everything they had seen in their parents' generation. Everything they had been taught in Exodus, in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Deuteronomy, they disregarded everything. They took the land that God had prepared for them, but in the process, they ended up allowing the land to take them. And you can see in chapter 17 and 18 the story of Micah and the idol worship that took place and the murder that took place. And you could see in chapters 19 through 21, you could see the Israel's first civil war. And if you go to chapter number 20, you can see this here. Chapter 20. Go to chapter 20 of Judges, and I'll be there in just a second. Let me see your notes here for a second and see. All right. I can take this one? All right. See what I had left on there and what I didn't have. So Judges 20, look at verse number 14. The Bible says, But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities of Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. Look at chapter 20, verse 20. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. Chapter 21, verse number 6. And the children of Israel repented them for Benjamin, their brother, and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. The thing that happened with the children of Israel was this. They were in the world, and very quickly they became of the world. They let the people that God told them not to associate with and to drive out, they let them corrupt them and they were no different I want to give you a little application here tonight and then we'll be done and on our way home tonight what you see over and over again in each of these stories of the judges you see four things take place I'm going to give you these four and I'll break something down real quick and then we'll be on our way home in each of the story of the judges you'll see number one you see God's power at work you see God's power at work. Number two, you see the weakness of man. 
man is weak. And the third thing that you see is this. Obedience leading to deliverance. Obedience leads to deliverance. I said that just for you on purpose. It leads to deliverance. And uh, see, I love when Brother Jay messes up on a slide because it shows he's human. I like that. Probably the notes I gave you had Leedy on it, so that could have been too. Or he just missed the Y and hit the S. But obedience Leedy to deliverance. And then number four, disobedience leads to destruction. Each and every time in all of the judges. You see, in your life, will you obey God or disobey Him? Will you trust Him or will you doubt Him? Will you completely drive out the Canaanites that are in your own life? I've said it before, and I'll say it again right now. I am not comparing Israel and us today to the same. We're different. But there are some principles that line up with both, but they're completely different. But God wants his people to be separate. Hey, Christian, that includes you tonight. You say, well, that was a lot, that was really mentioned strong in the Old Testament. I know, and it wasn't mentioned at all in the New Testament, was it? It was mentioned over and over again in the New Testament. God said, be holy, for I am holy. The word holy set apart. The Bible says, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. See those verses there. We need to be careful what we let influence us. And I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm meddling a little bit right here, Okay? But it's true. What needs to be driven out of your home so you can be more like God? How's your movie collection? Is that introducing things that God would want in your home and your family to see? How's your internet? Is your internet driving your family closer to God? Or is the internet in your home driving a wedge between you and your God? Got awful quiet in here. What is it that you're letting influence your life that's ruining you and corrupting you? There are lots of things in this world, and Satan does his very best to get to us and to mess us up. And I'm not going to sit here all night long and tell you this is how you should do things in your house. These are things you shouldn't have and different things. But come on, Christian. Your home, your life, your relationships, your daily living, all of it should be Christ-centered. And what do you need to clean up so you can have a Christ-centered life? You don't need me to tell you what it is because the Holy Spirit of God is already telling you what it is. We just need people who will obey God and do what he tells them to do and not disobey him. See, very simple through the book of Judges, we see God's power on display. We see the weakness of man. And we see the fact that obedience 
leads to deliverance, but disobedience always leads to destruction. That's why that song says it, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Probably one of the darkest times in the history of Israel is the time of the book of Judges. Because they did what they thought was right, and they didn't follow God and what he said was right. And Christian, if we want, how do I want a word what I'm going to say? We need to be very careful in these areas. We need to be obedient to God and follow his book and love him. And we need to be careful about what influences we allow to influence us. And parents that have teenagers today, you should be very careful what you let influence your children. Last time I checked, you're the parent and they're the kid. I think that's how it is. But nowadays, teenagers run the home and parents are the ones who are under the control of what their teenagers say to do. And that should never be that way. Be careful what influences your young people. It's a, and I know, I know, I'm going to get someone mad at me. Where is it at? Oh, it's over here. The fact that so many parents would let one of these bad boys right here and let a teenager have free reign with one of these. I'm going to say this as nice as I can tonight, and I've said over and over again, and most of you parents just don't listen to me, but you can get this. I love each and every one of you. You know that? You're stupid. You are stupid. Shame on you to give them full access. Now, I'm not one of those, don't ever let them get on, don't let them do anything. There are so many safeguards you can have, and there are some things that they can do. You know, here at school, I've got so much security on our stuff. It's almost almost impossible that a kid could go to something bad on our church stuff because of all the security on it. They don't know the passwords to any of it. The only person, the only phone that can change the security on everything is right here. And the only thing, it's got to have my face on it. None of you have my face, so we've got nothing to worry about there. But then, parents, you let your kids at home have free access to Wi-Fi, and they can do whatever they want. And you're letting things influence them. And that's the problem. I say, I say you're stupid, and I full-heartedly agree with that statement but you are harming them by giving them free access to things that they should not have. Every parent should know everything their young people do and should have access to it. If your kids have phones, because some of you, you won't listen to me and not give them phones, but let's say you give them phones, don't let them delete their messages and you be able to read every message on their phone. Say, so, well, all of them are deleted, then take their phone. Don't let them delete their history. Put safeguards. For an iPhone, there are a lot of safeguards you can put. For a, for a non-iPhone, whatever, an Android, there are a lot of safeguards for them. Use them. Be wise. But how many times I've had parents sit in my office and be like, Pastor, I just didn't know what my kids were getting into. Because you were stupid and you didn't listen in the service. And I say that wholeheartedly. I hope you'll listen. Be very careful what you let influence you. And you know, I've got four kids the Lord's blessed me with. 
And I love my kids. And they're trying at times on certain things. But I love my kids. And, and in this world, this world's even more wicked than when I was a kid. It was only a few years ago that I was a kid. And they, they, got, they need to be trained by me and their mom how to live in this world and live a godly life in spite of everything around them. And it's your job to teach them that. And so we see Israel lose out on God's blessing. And we see a generation totally forget God and get totally away from him because they didn't follow and obey and do what they should do. Let's obey God, follow what he says, and that's the way we should live our lives. Father,